0: Thank you, worship team. Little kids, we want to pray for them and uh, launch them back into children's ministry. Amen. So let's do that. Where's the little one? There's the little one. Coming after you, man. DJ. Thank you, Jesus. So, Lord, we thank you for our children. We thank you, God, that... uh, that you got an amazing plan for it. You're not waiting on some time in the future when they get 16, 18, 21, 25. um, God, you're doing it right now. So we agree it's not a generation, the next generation. It's not the generation that's going to come. It's not a matter of raising them up that someday they'll actually become the church. We agree they're part of the church right now. They're part of the body right now. We agree that they're part of your plan right now, that they've got gifts and talents and ability right now that they can pray right now that you hear them right now so god i i i pray and rebuke the uh, any idea even the religious that puts it off that somehow we're going to wait for a time where the kids will ascend into that place of favor we agree that you said jesus suffer not the little ones who come to me you said such is the kingdom that we all must come like this so god we agree right now with your hand upon them to release and unleash uh, the Spirit of God, full-size, king-size, just as big as ours, that, God, they would have uh, wisdom, understanding, insight, and then even boldness to go with it. Because if we're going to hear what you might even speak through the mouth of babes, we have to be able to recognize a full-grown Holy Spirit occupying these little uh, vessels. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah, you know, sometimes that's what happens in church is we get to thinking, you know, theology about, you know, well, kids, someday they'll raise up and, you know, 30 years old in the synagogue. The truth is, is that, come on, you got that potential because it's the Holy Spirit, amen? So that's the potential we have, and that's what we need to be able to release and see in our kids because guess what? Sometimes they'll kind of move to the level of what you allow them to. You know, you set the bar too low, they don't have to work so hard, do they? You raise that bar a little bit, and you know what you'll find? They'll actually achieve to that level. So guess what? I didn't make it any easier on you guys, some of the teens who are still in the room. You know, that's a good thing because guess what? You're capable of more. And sometimes, you know, I know when I was uh, when I was young, I thought, you know, why won't they let me do this, and why won't they let me do that? Why don't they trust me with this? Well, sometimes it was because of my stupidity. It was dumb things I was doing with the the favor, with the... the, the uh, privilege that they gave me, or they gave me some room, you know, in, in an inch, and I took a mile. Anybody else do that when you were young? Parents gave you? Yeah. So, you know, the idea is, is be faithful with that little, and if you're faithful with little, you'll be given much, and that applies to teens, too. Don't don't take for granted. Don't take advantage of, and what you'll find is you'll prove yourself trustworthy, and then they'll begin to believe you and see the maturity that you have to be trustworthy, and they'll say, Pfft, Go for it. I don't have to worry about them. And guess what? We're only as good as our last fail, aren't we? (laughs) But that's why there's grace. Joe, did you have something? Okay. Um, How about opening the Bible to John? Chapter 11, we're going to be in. Some of this will be up on the wall for you, but just, uh, just in case, it's good to, good to have there. You see that um, the, the sermon title, if you want to do any notes, then in your uh, bulletin, there's a little page there, and I, I've got a couple questions for you right on there. One says, how satisfied am I with my life? That's not me with my life. I'm t- I did it in you reading it. How satisfied are you in your life? Joseph, that was flattening, so it should be... I don't know if it's printing. I printed 12. If it's not on the computer, we'll just shoot the computer, okay? So the sermon title that I feel like, you know, is from the Lord is Two Weeks Notice. Two Weeks Notice. How many of you guys have ever given two weeks notice? Show me your hands. You gave two weeks notice. Okay. Now for everybody else... Does that mean that you just walked off the job and you didn't give them any notice? How many of you walked off a job and never gave any notice? You just, you know, one day they were expecting me to, I was the assistant manager at a a Sambo's restaurant, kind of like Denny's. And it's the day Arlene moved down from, from uh, Michigan. This is in uh, Tampa, Florida, where I was. And we'd been separated for several months and several hundred dollars of phone bills later. We thought we were done when we left. She's, she's with Trisha up in Michigan, and there I am with my Irish setter hauling in my old Ford Galaxy. And, and I'm like, you know, Eddie Rabbit's playing on the radio and, and Ronnie Millsap and just another rainy night. And it's rainy and cloudy, and I'm driving down through Chattanooga. And I'm just like, wow, everything I really had in my heart, I'm leaving up there. And here I am on this journey, and I'm going there. And where am I going? What am I going to? I don't even have a place to stay. By the way, it was one of the only times in my life I was homeless and slept in my car. I want to tell you, I've been places where people shouldn't have to go. I've been places where people look at me and sometimes couldn't imagine what my life used to be like. But uh, I had a plan and it wasn't so good. And uh, I just remember that there's things about us that that we have in our, our uh, this is my idea, and then there's God's idea. And he sometimes, even though he's a gentleman, he imposes his idea on our idea. Did you ever notice that? We thought, this is it, and then he changes it. He comes around from there somewhere. So, anyway, bottom line is, is how happy are you with your life? What are you doing um, with it, the questions on there, we'll just get to them and you'll see how they'll fit later. Am I clear on what I am here for? I'm not talking about this church here for. I'm talking about life here for. Are you clear on what you've, uh, you're here for? And, and I think that if you're clear on what you're here for, then the challenge will be, is do, does your life actually speak to that kind of clarity that you say that you have? Meaning, if you know what you're here for, are you doing it? And if not, then why not? Is that just outright rebellion? Stupidity? Confusion? What is it that we're not doing what we know we're here for? Or we're going to blame somebody else? Huh? Well, they, 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 they. What about what you can do for two weeks? Arlene moves down. I was desperate. I wanted her to, to uh, be with me. We thought it was over. We were high school sweethearts, had Trisha while we were still in our senior year of high school. Pretty difficult stuff. Most people would tell you, our counselors, guidance counselors telling us, oh, it'll never work. And we're like, you're morons. And there I am driving down past Indianapolis. And I'm like, hmm, they're smarter than I gave them credit for, for now. I never thought, God, what's your idea for this? What do you want? I I just know I was raised in the church and know I was, let's say, I was religious to some degree. I wasn't accustomed to, never heard, we should pray about everything. That we should ask God about these things. So what happened is I'm there and, you know, the rainy nights comes on again. Oh, the rainy night. I hate country to this day for that reason. No, I don't. Um, I wanted to seek a beer and cry in it, right? And drown myself in those things. Guess why? Because it just wasn't working out. This wasn't a very good plan. So Arlene comes down. I get a job. I'm thinking, man, I'm moving from this little small town, kind of like Shadyside or even Powhatan Point. You know, it's just tiny. No stoplights, <laughs> few stop signs. And I was like, I'm so out of here. I'm going to go make it big. Florida, that's where my parents had moved when I was a junior. I stayed behind. So now I'm going to Florida. Don't have a very good plan. My mom... She she takes care of an elderly woman who's uh, Estelle. Remember that, Arlene? And Estelle was just a little wacko. That's the days before they talked about dementia a lot and Alzheimer's, and I wasn't that smart to know anything about it anyway. But Estelle was just, she'd just smile at you (laughs) and nod and make a little sound every now and then. She was just cute as all get out, but I couldn't stay there. So I end up down there, and here's what I remember. I got a job, went into manager trainee program, which meant, you did all the grunge work, right, in a restaurant. Worked that weird shift from double shifts many times, from three all the way till the next morning for the through the breakfast early breakfast hour, and uh, doing food prep, dishwasher. Go out. I was manager chasing drunks to get them to pay their bill. All those things, and I'm. Let's see, that's 1981, so I'm 20 years old, and. They finished the manager trainee. I was making 250 bucks a week, I think it was. And uh, then they push, put, put me from, you know, what was within a few miles of where I was living to Tampa, which was 23 miles one way. And uh, it was just a bear to get off work and then drive that distance in the city, which meant I had traffic both ways, which was frustrating because that 23 miles takes an hour and a half. Everybody, anybody been there? you know, where you, eh. so bottom line is Arlene comes in, her dad's bringing her down. It was in a little, like a telephone truck or something, wasn't it? He had a van that was a, an old telephone van and that's all she's got. Her possessions are all in there. She moves down. I was supposed to pull a double that day because my manager um, was, it was her birthday. And we said, I came up with this amazing idea that to get her back into the place later on when she's off is to tell her that, and this was a day or two earlier, to tell her that I I didn't show up. And that would cause her to come in and she'd have this major attitude because the assistant manager didn't show up, and that would bring her in for her birthday celebration. And so let's just tell her that day when this comes, you just tell her, he didn't show up, and that'll get her back in. And we can say, surprise, happy birthday. And that thing festered in my heart for a couple of days, knowing that my bride was coming down, you know, my girl that I thought I'd lost, and my little baby, Trisha, And uh, she's less than two years, a year and a half, I think it was. And I thought, hmm, I'll just call in and tell them I'm not coming back because the plan's already set. I didn't give a rip if it was her birthday. See what I mean? I didn't think anything of it because what happened is Arlene showed up and I was just Gaga. And I just, I I ended up, it was getting closer to time. Do you remember that day, Arlo? It was getting closer to time and closer. And and she's like, don't you have to go to work? And I'm like, yeah, I'm really frustrated because they're sending me way over there. I'm doing all this work. Um, Everything piled up on me and it, in that moment, I said, oh, by the way, when I did leave, didn't really want to, I'm driving and ran out of gas. Do you know what it's like if you don't have a gas can? Back then, when I went into the little convenience store, which I had to walk, I don't know how many blocks, but it was, it was a good 10, 12 blocks at least, they, wouldn't, they didn't have a gas can. So then I had to go another half mile down the road and get a gas can. I bought it and then came back, and and that was an Ace Hardware, got gas, and had to walk back. And when I got gas and put it in, you know what I'm doing all the way? It's kind of like that cartoon character, you know? Like, I mean, I was probably cussing and all those other things. I was hating life. I was hating everything right then, And, and everything was working against me. And when I got gas in, I went down to that little convenient mart and they had a payphone. Those are the days teens without cell phones where we had a payphone and I had to use a payphone and I called in and I determined right then I didn't care about anybody or anything else. I'm doing what I want to do. I don't want to go to work today. I want to just go back and be with my daughter and my my, my my girlfriend. That's what I did. Only time I ever did that in my life. <laughs> I said could you just mail my check? She said, you come pick up your check. So I think I sent Arlene to pick up my check. (laughs) Why do I tell you that story? Because I've been there. I've been there with a plan. I've been there with a hope. I've been there with confusion. I've been there when it was all about me and I didn't care about anybody else. And I had a plan and I was going to pursue that and it, it ate on me. I even came up with this amazing scheme. But then... It was a good idea until I actually carried it out. See, you can actually begin to talk yourself into something that will be ungodly. You can talk yourself into something that will not, be some, that will not work for anybody's benefit. And rarely does it actually work out the way you thought it was going to go. So, how did that work out for you? Has anybody in the room done that? Have you been like that any time in your life? Please show me so I can take solace and I'm not the only guy. Okay? Well, here's the deal. Two weeks notice would be nice. People used to give me, I was a boss and I hired and fired and all that. And But I would give them a two weeks notice. I would tell them I'm going to fire them. They're done at the end of the day, but I'm going to pay them for two weeks. So they can go out and find a job. So they can go out and... I want to bless them. I didn't say bless them, by the way. I wasn't a pastor. I didn't care about that. But I did care about people. They'd say, well, can you tell me why? And I said, no, because I'm going to leave you with your dignity. I don't believe you're the right person for the job. I'm giving you a couple weeks. Go find a job. Go find what you really ought to be doing. See? So that's the kind of stuff. So that was two weeks' notice I learned. I went from one place to another place. I think I was trying to redeem my past somehow. How many of you are still trying to redeem your past? Maybe a few of us. So what if you got two weeks' notice? Here we are. We're on the, the, the heels. It doesn't work out perfectly time-wise. But, but how would you, if you know you got two weeks to live, the guy, I think he just passed away recently, the, one, the young man who planned his own funeral, didn't he? It was a big Internet thing. It was several people around. Were you guys aware of that? Where was he from? Was it Cameron or Powhatan or New Martinsville? And he planned his own funeral. He didn't want the grief and his family to go through that process, so he planned his own funeral. So how is that when Jesus knows his funeral is coming? Two weeks away, he knows what's going to happen. We don't have a very good timeline in the Bible. We do of the, the, the last week of his life, so we're used to celebrating all that. But but we don't really go back. It's real hard to go back and trace it and say, well, what was he doing two weeks before? Because next week we'll celebrate Palm Sunday, and that's where it's Hosanna, and he's coming in, and he's going to restore order, and he's going to restore the Jewish rule, and they think this is going to usher in the kingdom of God here on the earth now. See, that's part of the problem is they had their idea of what they wanted Jesus to do. They had a plan, and it wasn't necessarily his plan. Been there? How many of you find that that's the way it is with your kids? You got you got plans, they got plans. How many kids? You got plans, they got plans, and our plans don't kind of they don't mesh. See what I mean? So in this case, the the religious people, then the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they had a plan. There were the other religious people who just loved Jesus, and you know they had a plan. And there were the disciples, and they had a plan. And you know there were the uh, the, the Roman officials and the politicians, and they had a plan. Everybody has a plan, but God has the master plan. And God's master plan, guess what? That's the one that actually plays out. Devil had a plan too. Do you know the devil had a plan? Devil had a plan just to, first off, it started by trying to trick Jesus, right? At the very beginning of his his earthly ministry, the beginning, he's led out into the wilderness, he's starving, 40 days he's been without, and then the devil comes and tempts. Which says one thing is, it's not the sermon, just a point, is that the devil comes to you sometimes at your weakest place. So in your weakest place, when you need, you need not the temptation, you need not the distraction, you need not the confusion, you need not the situation, that's when the devil shows up. And we're all thinking, well, that's when I need God to show up sometimes what he does is he just delays in that time, doesn't he? And in that, guess what? We either fall apart or we fall forward. See? And in that case, that's what we're learning to do is persevere and endure and then grab a hold of of him and not let go, knowing that he's going to take us. It might be a wild ride, but in the end, we'll be okay. So, let me open up a couple of the scriptures we're going to go through today John 11 if you want to turn there to 51 It says that there's a guy that uh he comes right out of this is John 11 is where it says Jesus wept. That's with Lazarus, you know, that they're accusing him, hating, you know, why did you delay? You didn't show up. He was sick. You could have done something. He says, hey, it's okay. Dad's going to do something amazing here. That's what he says. So, you know, as we continue forward, it actually says that everybody was astounded because of what had happened with, with Lazarus. And many were following him because of the signs that he was doing. How many know that that's sometimes the reason that we pursue God is we're waiting for him to do something to show us a sign. We're waiting for him to be big like we've read or we've heard about him doing. So in this case, there's this guy named Caiaphas and he's a high priest and he actually, we've said it before, you've read it before, um, but it says this, he did not say, he says that Jesus, it's imperative that one perish, that many would survive which is exactly what Jesus was doing, His one died so that everybody else can live. And Caiaphas, he says this, and so it actually says it right here. He did not say this on his own initiative, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation. Let me take a pause. Do you see the word prophesy? That meant as he spoke something that was from God that he didn't even intend, he didn't think it. That was what God wanted, spoke, and he spoke it And let me just encourage us. That's before the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. Do you get it? It means that God has the power to move on people and to accomplish his purpose. And he doesn't operate on the timeline of man. Do you get it? He prophesied. That's what we usually call. You got to be full of the Holy Spirit and then you can prophesy. And I'm telling you that God does things that might just he tips the boat a little bit. So in this case, he prophesied, being high priest, he says that, that Jesus was going to die for the nation. And not for the nation only, but in order that he might also gather together into one, the children of God who are scattered abroad. That meant the Gentiles. That goes back to the original purpose. God calling Abraham is that he gives a covenant and says, every nation, not just Jews, there was no Israel at that time. He says every nation, every tribe, every tongue, you won't even be able to count them more than the stars, more than the sand. That's who he has in his heart, the whole world, which is you and me. Amen. So from that day on, they planned together to kill him. Wow. After he raises Lazarus, these miracles, and there's the religious people, they wanted to kill him. Why? Because he had power they didn't have. He, was, he wasn't just talking about it. He was actually doing it. Do you know that sometimes that's what I instruct people? For example, if you're going to lose weight, that's your, your resolution whenever you make it. You know, people will say, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I tell them, shh, just do it. Don't tell everybody about it. Let them tell you. Wow, you're losing weight. Yeah, you know, I'm, you know, God's helping me. Cool. How much you gonna? How are you doing it? No, I'm not supposed to talk about it. Kind of like fasting. I'm just doing it. Okay, I'm not talking about it. Um, bless God for the results. Say long term. If you see me doing something, I might invite you into my life in that way. See, but I might not. So I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just going to do it. How many of you are talkers? I am. How many of you are doers, as well as talkers? How many of you need to repent because you just lied? (laughs) Because you really don't do so well. You talk really well. See what I'm saying? So part of it is, is that I got to help God help me to align that I begin to be as much of a doer as I am a talker. That sounds like James, doesn't it? Not just being hearers of the word, but being doers of the word. So, okay. So here we go. in in there, that we've got John and we got Caiaphas. So from that day on, they planned to kill him. Do you know Jesus knew they planned to kill him? You knew that before the foundation of the world, he was crucified, which means him being present with the creation of everything, with man, knowing what was about to happen. Before man was even, breath of life was breathed into man, Jesus knew there comes a time appointed for him, a season where he would have to die. A horrible, terrible death. He knew about it. That's before they had crucifixion, by the way. See? He knew about crucifixion before they had crucifixion. They detailed it before it was ever any kind of historical thing. I don't know if they might have got the idea from reading Psalm, what, 24, 22? Which one is it? One of those 22 or 24. It's on the other sides of Psalm 23. But it actually talks about In there, it's prophesied in Psalm. It says that uh, no bone would be broken, that he would not undergo decay. So in there, somebody can look that up while I'm going on. That's just a bonus feature. But that's what it says. Way back in the Psalms, it was written about this time where he would be hanging and none of his bones would be broken. What do you mean none of the bones would be broken? When do they break bones? When people are dying, when they're being crucified and they want him to, okay, be done already. They wanted them not to hold themselves up for a breath. And so they'd break their legs so they couldn't hold themselves up. And what would happen is literally they're suffocating under their their own body weight. So when they come to Jesus to bust his legs, he'd already said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. He gave up the the ghost. He, he, He died in that moment on the cross. Hmm. We all know, hopefully you know the rest of the story. That wasn't the end of him. Say, but did you find it psalm 22 how's it read somebody read it out 22 what verse they can pull it up psalm 22 verse 12 14 many bulls have surrounded me strong bulls of bashan have encircled me this is, he's talking about those who are going to have their way with him. They open wide their mouth at me as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. This is speaking of him. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaves to my jaws and you lay me in the dust of death. Wow. So it says, for dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers has encompassed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. This is the word of God prophesying before it it ever came about where Rome was in charge. I can count all my bones. They look, they stare at me. He's up on the cross. They divide my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. Do you sound familiar? It's happening at the foot of the cross on that day. But you, O oh Lord, be not far off. O you, you, my help, hasten to my assistance. Deliver my soul from the sword, my only life from the power of the dog. It's not good to call people dog, by the way. Yo, dog, save me from the lion's mouth, from the horns of the wild oxen. You answer me. It's the fact that he could trust his father, that he could ever go through what man was going to do to him, amen? Save me from these. The Pharisees were the ones. Remember, they were the ones standing at the, at the foot of the cross, standing around that said, you know, if you're the son of God, come down off that cross. Huh? They're the ones who are mocking him. So let me just tell you, God knows what he's doing. He doesn't mind declaring it ahead and then fulfilling it later on. Do you know that some people would say because of that Psalm 22, they would say, well, Jesus just went and made it all happen. Oh, to that degree, he made it all happen. You know that he, he he How many of you plan your death that you want to be? You know, if if you if you're a guy, your beard is plucked out, right? That you, they slam this crown of thorns over you. That you're you're bleeding. That it's it's cut deep. How many of you want to be able to be beat to the point where I don't know? I used to think I would never live past the spanking that my mom or daddy gave me. Much less to endure what we've seen and heard of Jesus with the the beating that he took. So what's this got to do? With two weeks notice, we got two weeks. Two weeks out, do we know what, what the future holds there? What do you think? How satisfied are you with your life? Does it come down to a point where Jesus is thinking, boy, is there any other way, Papa? You let this cup pass before me. But nonetheless, not my will, but your will be done. Wow. Two weeks. You got two weeks notice, two weeks to live. Anybody in here only got two weeks to live that I've never, I hadn't heard about yet? Might at least two weeks. Some of you don't know because it could happen today. You know, Ted and Terry had a little car accident yesterday. We, uh, we went to dinner with them the other night and then, you know, here they were here for financial peace uh, yesterday morning and we saw them and they left here and ended up over at Walmart and for some of you in, Wal- in uh, Moundsville, where you're familiar, there's a, a, a road that comes up. Right there, when you turn right, the light is, and there's a road comes up. The lady didn't see a stop sign, didn't stop. Bam! Terry saw it coming out her side of her, her uh, you know, peripheral vision. And I guess she, scream is what I say, but scramped. Did she scramp? She, she, well, she let out a scream. And, uh, well, the tire's... Bent in like this on that side is not drivable. It didn't deploy the airbags or anything else. You know, we prayed the night before for them because they're going to Aruba. They left actually at 345 this morning, I think it was. And they're they're in Aruba probably by now. And we just prayed that hedge of protection round about them. That God's will be done, that he'll accomplish all that he wants to do, that they'll delight in him and have a wonderful, amazing trip. And it almost didn't happen, except for the idea that God wants them in Aruba. So they're in Aruba now, and no plan of the enemy could thwart that. You see what I'm saying? We don't know what we got. That could have just as as easily been the side door. She could have got hit. She could have been killed. There could have been any number of things that all happened. She was going somewhere around 40 miles an hour, the other car was, because there's a little hill there, a little incline. Am I right? And you have to accelerate to get up there. So this lady's going pretty fast. Hit the place just right, verriers, careens off, it, it, you know, destroys the bumper, a little bit of the fender, you know, the tie rod or whatever it is, is is busted. But the bottom line is a moment either way, Joseph's in the back seat, a moment longer or shorter, the whole thing would have changed. God's impeccable with his timing. We don't think so sometimes. We think he's way too slow. We think he's, he maybe is not wearing a watch at all. You know, we don't know what's happening, but we know that it doesn't seem to be working out so good. But here's the deal. God's got a plan, and God's plan will prevail because God is sovereign. Can you say sovereign? Sovereign. Do you know what that is? The last part of that says reign, R-E-I-G-N. Do you know what that means? He's the boss. That's what it means. Soul is what the first part means sole proprietor. He's it. He's the king of kings, the lord of lords. There is no other. I alone am God, how he says it. Sovereign. I alone am God, and I rule. That's what it really says. Well, let's go to John 12. That was John 11, John 12. In John 12, we've got that wonderful part. It's a, it's a great funeral passage, if anybody else has Preach a funeral. It's that part that says, you know, unless it says that twenty three. Let's back up to twenty three. We don't have it on the wall, but that's okay. It says that the the uh, Jesus answered and said, "The hours come for the Son of Man to be glorified." Really, is that what you call the cross glorified? I call it horrific. I call it humiliating. I call it shameful. I call it anything but necessary glory. But my perspective and his perspective is different. Is your perspective sometimes different than his perspective? Yeah, because I'm thinking it ought to be like this. If I were Jesus, if I were God, I'd do it this way, I'd do it this way. But here he says, The time has now come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground or earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. And then look at what he comes out in verse 27. Now my my soul has become troubled, and what shall I say? Father save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Wow. I like what the next line says. What's your say? Then a voice. Wow. Then a voice. Look, watch this part of it, how it happens here. Then a voice. Is it up on the wall? Yep. Then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. How can you go to the cross? Because you know if he's going to be glorified on the cross, he said, I'll be glorified again. You can say that before he went there, he says there's a glorify it for that purpose, but there's a glorify it for after that purpose. So if he ever takes you into the grave, he fully intends to bring you out of it because he wants to be glorified not only in the grave, But in your ascension out of the grave, if he takes you into the wilderness, he's going to bless you and be glorified in the wilderness. And then he's going to bring you out of the wilderness so that he can be glorified again. That's the way it works. That's how we end up praising him for whatever goes on in our lives. And that's the perspective you have to take with you into the wilderness. You have to take the perspective with you into the grave. You have to take that perspective with you on the cross if you're going to follow him. When you lose your life for his sake, you have to have the perspective that says he will be glorified in this process. He will be glorified on the other side of this process. The key is not me. It's about him. He says he's watching over his word in our lives to perform it. We can trust him to be glorified in our lives because that's what he wants. Can you say John 17? That's exactly where he says it. Father, you've been glorified in me. I brought you glory. Now I want you to be glorified in them. See, for him, two weeks notice is the culmination of a lifetime for you and me, we don't know what lifetime we've got. You don't know what you have. So in this case, being able to say, God, I want to live my life according to your purpose, your plan, not my purpose, not my plan. So then he goes here. He says, look, this is pretty big right here. He says this. We'll glorify it again. So the crowd of people who stood by and heard it were saying that it thundered. Others were saying an angel has spoken to him. Wow. Do you see a problem here? Now, what's it say there again? The, who was it that stood by and heard? Crowd. It doesn't say disciples, right? It says crowd. Crowd is more than disciples. Do we agree with that? So the crowd hears the voice of God from heaven. Whoa, no Holy Spirit poured out just yet. Why? Because God's a revelator and he'll reveal himself whenever he wants, however he wants, with whoever he wants, right? So what happens is God speaks amazing, affirming who Jesus is, right? And then what do the people do? (laughs) You hear that thunder? Oh, oh, you almost sound like a... You know, I watch on YouTube, there was a dog, oh, I love you, oh, I love you. Oh, that sounded like it said... Behold, this is my son. But it was a big thunder, wasn't it? Because God doesn't speak. Surely he doesn't really speak, does he? God, him, who's out there, very impersonal, doesn't really give a rip about my life. Oh, yes, he does. You just never really come to the place of giving him enough credit for knowing what he's doing. Have you ever been there? Because that's the arrogance of man is that we begin to say God can't be God because he's not doing it right. Because I don't like it and it doesn't feel good. You ever been there where it didn't like it and didn't feel good? So here's the problem is, is he's, he, remember Jesus says to a different crowd now, but similar people, sorry about that. This is, he said, what did I just do? I messed me up, huh? Just have a wire loose. He says, this voice has not come for my sake, but for your sakes. My, this voice has not come for my sake, but for your sakes. Hmm. Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. Folks, that's the assurance of heaven. Do you know how few people have that? It's the assurance that heaven, if He says, if I be lifted up, that doesn't just mean, you know, glorified now and we give Him credit and let's bless Him and yay, Jesus. It also means the fact that Daddy's going to raise me out of the grave. When it looks terminal, I'm telling you. He's still on the throne, and he's about to be sovereign. He's going to reign. He's going to deliver me up. And because I'm raised up, you'll be raised up. See? So he gives a promise of eternity there. He gives an assurance of that. I am lifted up from the earth. will draw all men to myself. How many know in Psalm uh, 37, I think it was, wasn't it? Psalm 37, it says this about plans and thoughts. The steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. If you'll let God direct your steps, he'll delight in your way. See, how many times have we not let the Lord direct our steps, and you know God wasn't pleased with wherever you ended up? Anybody been there? So, the steps of a man are established by the Lord. Remember what he says is is the, the word of God is what? A lamp, right? And it's a light unto our path. It's meant to direct us. If we'll stay in the light, we won't stumble in the dark, right? So then the, the next one I want to show you is Matthew 20. Matthew 20. That's verse 17 to 19. There, there's something that in this season with two weeks to go that I believe God wants you to do something in the two weeks. I want. I think it's different than all the traditions that you've ever held, whatever those might be. And we're just talking past Palm Sunday and past into Easter and changing up whatever it might be that God wants to change up. He's after something in you that he wants to kill so he can raise up what he has desired from before you were formed in your mother's womb. What he put in you. Would you be willing to let that happen? See? And I'm not, I'm not, we're not drinking Kool-Aid, okay? Okay. I'm just asking you to be willing to lay your life down. I'm I'm asking you to be willing to say, God, what is it that you require of me? What is it that you've been after in my life that I haven't done yet, that I haven't surrendered in? How am I the one who's, remember last week we talked about shining your own light. As Jesus was about to go up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside by themselves, and on the way he said to them, that's Matthew 20, verse 17 through 19 is where we're reading right now. So as he was about to go up, he took the twelve. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Do you know that that's what religion does, is it kills? See, he's the Pharisees and the scribes. He says, these guys, they've been the trusted ones. They've been the pastors, the ministers. They've been the ones that have been in the lead. See, they're the ones who have created all the laws and the Torah and all the things that we're supposed to follow how we're supposed to live our lives. It's also the one that Jesus rebuked very clearly. Woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. How many woes, do you remember? There's eight woes in that one passage Jesus gives out. He says, here we are, we're going to go there, and what's going to happen, they will hand him over to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and crucify him, and on the third day he will be raised up. Here's the deal. So those religious guys, they're the ones who are going to condemn me, But hes they're not man enough to take it on themselves and to follow through. They're going to turn me over to the Gentiles. How lame is that? So they're a bunch of talkers, but they're not really doers. See, they talk about being spiritual. They talk about being empowered. They talk about these righteous lives. But even when it comes down to condemning, they want to pass it off onto Pilate. They want to pass it off onto Herod. They want to pass it off to the Gentiles and let them do the the thing. Why? So they can kind of go away unscathed. But God isn't into letting them go unscathed. Why? Because what they've been practicing is the very thing he wants to kill. See? We sang it a couple weeks ago, I think. It was where religion, there's a place where religion finally dies. It happened on the cross. Jesus took their mess on the cross too. He took all their accusations. He took every part of it. And, and he, he took that and he went there for them as well. Even the scoffers and the mockers, the religious people, he died for them too. On the third day, he will be raised up. We're only two weeks out from, from celebrating that day when he was it's resurrection day. Five minutes, I'll be done. How satisfied am I with my life? Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way, mold me and make me. Wow. We ready to sing that song to him? Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. We sing it every time, I think, down at the nursing home, don't we, James? Almost. Have thine own way. Are you clear on what you're here for? And the last one is what I can do for two weeks. I like this little quote I found. It says, life is what happens to you while you're busy planning more important things. Life is what happens to you while you're busy planning more important things. Do you know how many people go to the wayside because of that? If we don't work the plan, Kevin and me don't get lunch. That was the plan, wasn't it? It wasn't a very good plan on my part. I have to own that. See what I mean? When you you have a fail in your life, you can do a couple things with it. You can blame somebody else. You just own it. And then when you own it, you also empower somebody else. Help me with that. Show up in my house at 1 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Oh, we missed our time, so I figured I'd just show up whenever. Oh, gee, I'll try to make my time better next time what do you do with that? Hey, there's grace for all that. Yeah, there's grace, but how many, should we really live our life like that? So, oh, I'm sorry, I was just so busy. Oh, okay, well, shouldn't I be part of busy that you're busy with? Well, I was planning. And while I was planning, somebody else called, another situation happened, and somebody else dealing with a marital strife, and somebody else called with a kid who's going to threaten suicide. Somebody else called, and There was a a bad situation with school and so, 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 Lord, help me with my time. How about Proverbs 16? It says it this way in verse, I love two, I couldn't skip two because I like verse three and four was the one, but I love in this, all the ways of a man are clean in his own sight. But the Lord weighs the motives. Your plan is based on a motive. You've got an agenda. There's a reason you have a plan. What is that plan? Is it his plan or is it your plan? That's where the separation, we, I call it disembark. That's the place where all of a sudden, mm, it's not unified. So all the ways are clean in his own sight. You might have to say somebody else, you tell me what you see. You tell me. I don't know if I really want to know but I guess I'll have to have the grace of God to endure it. See, when you speak something into my life, I'm thinking, hmm, didn't really like that. But it's okay. I've asked for it. I need perspective from outside because if I don't get somebody else's perspective, I'll continue to see myself in my own righteousness. See? Commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. Commit your works. The Lord has made everything for its own purpose, even the wicked for the day of evil. That tells you he's going to work everything together for good because he knows what evil is going to try to do because before evil could do it, he had to know the plan because evil had to bow before him to get permission to move with it. Do you get that from the life of Job? Huh? A lot of people have a hard time with the idea of God created evil, but you know, I'm just reading what he said. Guess why? Because if he's sovereign, he's sovereign, and evil didn't generate itself and create itself. Thereby, I'm okay with evil being because I know who is sovereign, who is the Lord and Master who reigns, and who the devil himself bows before. Do you get that? Don't give the idea that evil is somehow equal to God. It isn't. Not even close. It's under his feet, and he's got big feet. Commit your works to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The last one is my favorite, one of the first verses I learned, Proverbs 16, 9, which says what? Read it for me. Good. Now, everybody else, join with the phonics. Yeah, what's going on up here? I think i got a pretty good plan. What I need to do is be able to take that and lay it out here and say, God, what do you have? What do you want? And you know what you'll find? Sometimes there's a difference. And it could be just a little tweak. It's all he's doing is a little tweak. And all of a sudden we get on the frequency of heaven. And when we do that, everything changes. Guess what we want, folks? We want the frequency of heaven. The tendency is to take matters into our own hands. And that's the point of surrender. It's part of the good news or gospel is that Jesus absolutely surrendered. So, do you know what the future holds? We got plans, we got thoughts and intentions, we got things that we're, we're wanting to do. Matter of fact, we've got 30th anniversaries coming up in August. We're talking about do we want to go to Hawaii? Do we want to go to Aruba? Do we want to go to... Alaska, we might just build a treehouse and climb up in there and make out all day long. (laughs) Arlene says she wants anything but the (laughs) treehouse. Who's got the next next month planned out? You got the next month planned? You guys know what you're doing on Easter Sunday, don't you? I mean, outside of going to church or whatever. See, some of us got that. My question would be to you, is did you ask the Lord about your plan? And if you didn't, I would just ask you to consider that. Because sometimes what, what I do is I live a life of trial and error just like you. The difference is when a pastor leads a life of trial and error, it's more visible, isn't it? What percent of your life is predictable? 168 hours in a week. You know you're going to sleep six to eight hours every day, right? So you can times that and come up with a certain amount of hours for that. You know you're working 40 hours, 50 hours, 60 hours. You got that. You're pretty predictable, really, in a lot of ways, aren't you? How, how, how's that go for you? I'll bet there's a little bit of the tension in your life is because you're too predictable. And every now and then you want to do what I did. You just want to say, I'm not giving no notice. I want you to think about in the next two weeks, I want you to be planning and saying, Lord, here it is. I'm gonna, I want, here's my plan. What's your plan? Lord, this has been my plan. Do we need a little bit of a checkup from the neck up? Do we have to have some sort of heart surgery? Do I have some clogged arteries? You know what happens to all of us? Without being intentional. Do you know why? Because we're living in the flesh. We have this life we have to occupy. Two weeks notice. You got two weeks for a resurrection life. You got something that's gonna get ugly before it gets any better. Are you up for that? What if we could say, I've just got two weeks? It's just gonna it'll be pretty good when they're saying Hosanna, yeah you <coughs> Woo-hoo! And then it's gonna get ugly but then the best is yet to come. Let's pray. The best is yet to come. I like that, Lord. I'll claim it. I'll receive it. I impart it that, God, there is that which has been our plans. It's been our scheme. It's been our motive. It's been our agenda. It's been whatever it's been. It may not have been you. It may not have been something that brought glory to you. It's been something we've wanted. And so, God, we recognize right now that we're, we're saying, at least I am, trying to lead us to saying God, here's my plan. What do you say? God, here's my my uh, here, here's my my goal. What do you say about that? So, Lord, we're agreeing that you're going to direct us. You're going to steer us. That God, you're not going to uh, you're not going to uh, allow us to undergo undergo decay. God, it doesn't require broken bones on our part. It'll just be that there's going to be the the hardest issue will be full surrender, full on right outright surrender without conditions, unconditional surrender. Well, I'll do this if he'll do that. Well, I can only do that if I know he's going to do this. Hmm. Well, I'm just trusting you, God, because you have proven yourself trustworthy. And we receive that fresh impartation today that, God, you yourself by your Holy Spirit will confirm your word in us. You will confirm, God, The fact that that you you have our back, that you are our safety net, that you're our uh, harness, that you are the one that will not allow us uh, to be uh, thwarted, your purpose thwarted in our lives. You will not allow us to be beat to death by Satan himself. He's restricted with his activity. He's restricted with his evil. Uh, The demons bow down before you. And so we receive the anointing as sons and daughters that it becomes even more clear to the evil one who we are, that we stand not by our own strength, but by the power that is of the Savior, of the Redeemer, of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Sovereign King. And so, God, we thank you that we've been blood-bought. We thank you, God, that we can bring our plans to you and that you'll confirm them and you'll correct them and you'll do that little bit of uh, fine-tuning whatever you need to do. So God, I ask for my brothers and sisters here today that you'll help us, that there's two weeks notice we are, we are going to do. You will speak to us what you want us to do. We will live a resurrected life. There will be life for us when we let this thing finally die that you have been trying to kill in our lives so that we could really live. And Father, I thank you and I proclaim your blessing right now for each person here today. And Lord, even those who aren't here, I extend that blessing to them and knowing that you're a great big God, that you go beyond the walls and these, these, uh, this place, that you, uh, you see them, you know their, their uh, heartache, you know their pains, you know uh, what is going on in their lives, even confusion with having to work and some of those things. So I, I just pray your blessing where they're at right now. And everybody who agrees says, amen.